Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. One year on, who knew that when I went to bed on the evening of the 31st of March, a year ago in 2020, that I'd be waking up with an idea that would totally change the course of my life, of my business and of my network. It's been an incredible year and I would never have been able to have foreseen it. And yes, I see that there is an irony in that my strap line is have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. And part of having that as my strapline was cathartic as a, a guide for me. And what it has done has helped me to create an incredible ripple effect from my business. I had no idea that this is what was going to happen when I went to sleep on that evening. It was in response to one business closing, one door closed. And oh my goodness, how many doors have opened since then? I cannot count. So I just want to say very simply that when you think that one door has closed, that often it could be for a reason. Well, often it is for a reason, but a really good reason at that. And you may not see it straight away. I certainly didn't. You may not know why, and it may feel really dark. You may feel lonely, or you may feel really vulnerable, or that everyone's against you and that things aren't going the right way. I felt like this. But when you just stop and take a few breaths to regather, regroup, reset, and look to see where it is that you really want to go, what you really want to have, who you really want to be, and what you really want to do, when you have a purpose, a plan, and focus on why, then, as the saying goes, the world is truly your oyster. This time last year, John had COVID, schools were closed, the kids and I were doing Joe Wicks every morning. We'd been in lockdown for just over a week and one of my businesses had just unexpectedly fallen by the wayside. And I was trying to think about what it was that I wanted to do. I reached out to a handful of close friends to try to get some inspiration and support, but I knew deep down that it was time for me to forge my own way and do it alone, do it in the way that I truly wanted to. These are really very strange times, and I wasn't prepared for it. In fact, nobody was really prepared for what was to come. We didn't think that it was going to affect us. China was so far away. How wrong we all were. Carrying on crafting and honing my messaging, I was still wrangling with what business to create. I changed my LinkedIn profile about 100 times a day. Do I go one way? Do I go another way? It was nice to have a choice, but I just didn't know what I was going to do. I just trusted that eventually something would come and it did. I woke up with the idea on April Fool's Day 2020. It sounds strange, but focus on why it just came to me that morning. and I don't know how. A new door opened and I knew I'd be stronger for it. I spent the next day designing my logo on Canva, knowing that when something is right, it just flows. And I often talk about being in flow and I knew I was in flow as soon as I started this. I knew that this idea had the potential to go big, the potential to go viral. Well, it hasn't quite gone viral yet, but it has gone bigger than I was expecting as the podcast is now in 81 countries. So my message for anyone out there who is going through a really tough time, 
is to trust in yourself and believe in yourself. Don't feel as though you're on your own though. Reach out to people who you know will support you, who have got your back and take it from there. When I thought that everything was over and I had anxiety, uncertainty, disappointment and anger that things weren't working my way, it was at that point that I turned all of that negative emotion into positive energy and directed it into a space where my superpowers could work with them, taking responsibility, taking control and taking action. I'd done it before in so many areas. This was just the next thing. This was just what I needed to do. It was the right time. It was simply recognizing the existing skills that I had and forging them to carve my own path. Essentially, all the world was on a global reset and now was my time to do my thing. I'd been stuck in my own shadow for far too long. It was time to move on. Everything that had come to this point had served me in one way or another, and I was capable of doing so much more. I had to believe that. So just when I thought that things were over, and in one way they were, it was a good thing. People helped me to see what I had to offer was of value to others. All I needed to do was sort out the finer details, hone my message. That's it. So all I wanted to say is that sometimes April Fool's Day is not a joke or a hoax, and that Last year proved to be the best April Fool's Day of my life because what I've gone on to achieve since then has been incredible. So go for it. Follow your dreams. They can come true, but only if you take action. So back to my reflections and observations today. If you're not used to what these episodes are about, then please allow me to explain briefly. When I have guests on the show, the purpose is for them to share their why. And in doing so, they share their background as to how and what to It makes a really interesting listening, so much so that my guests get into flow and it's never, we never plan where we're going to go. And I'm really keen for the guests to share their learnings, to inspire the audience, you, and also to take away some key learnings. So these episodes, these reflections and observations are an opportunity for me to share my spin on things and just give you some more thought and action taking to think about what it is that you've heard and where you might want to take some of those learnings. So here goes. First up, episode 155, Unbroken with Madeline Black, a mission-based speaker who wants to end the stigma of speaking about sexual violence. To be fair, she'd probably just like to end sexual violence full stop. And Madeline uses her personal and moving story to shatter the shame, stigma and silence surrounding sexual violence. She shows us that it's not the events in our life that define us, but how we choose to reclaim our lives after them, how we become unbroken. I remember wishing they would kill me to make it all end, she said. It takes courage to speak the unspeakable, but for many years, Madeline felt too afraid and too ashamed to utter a word of what happened to her. Violently attacked at the age of 13, her story is one of pain, but also of healing, resilience and forgiveness. Madeline said that you you can go through some awful, awful times, but you can come out and you can thrive and you can live your life. I'm always amazed by people and what they're capable of, how we can just transform all of that pain into something positive. Madeline's voice is now her superpower and her purpose, speaking on behalf of so many other people who've been silenced or choose silence. 
encouraging them to speak up. Madeline believes that there is safety in numbers and that people are stronger together. She talks of courage and it made me investigate what courage is and where it is needed and of course, why. So what is courage? Is it walking a tight rope over a crocodile infested ravine? Is it trying a new food? Is it asking for a pay rise? Is it leaving an abusive relationship? Is it speaking in front of a large audience? Well, courage can be found in all of these circumstances. Stand out, speak up, dare to be different. They all demand courage, which is why courage is a virtue that has been sought out in many different forms over the millennia. You may recognise courage as an act of bravery at the risk of danger, bodily harm or death. But what about the other types of courage? Courage shows up everywhere in your everyday life. There's physical courage where, despite facing fear, you still decide to act and demonstrate resilience, strength and bravery. There's emotional courage where you follow your heart and you're likely to face a full spectrum of positive emotions as well as facing negative ones too. Moral courage is where you stand up for what you believe is right and involves ethics and integrity. Intellectual courage requires you to step outside of your comfort zone and be open-minded to challenge your thinking and risk-making mistakes. Spiritual courage involves faith, a sense of purpose and a meaning either with or without a religious framework. And finally, there is social courage, which involves being authentic in the face of adversity, risking social embarrassment, exclusion, rejection or unpopularity. Aristotle said, you will never do anything in this world without courage. It is the greatest quality of the mind next to honour. Courage is clearly a complicated matter and it may take you time to develop courage in the variety of all the forms it appears, which is why courage is regarded as the secret to freedom. Thucydides said, the secret to happiness is freedom and the secret to freedom is courage. Many guests on Focus on Why have shared how they have been courageous and for what it has taken for them to find courage. For Madeline, she said that courage is contagious because it was hearing somebody else speak that really made her think, if she could do that, then Madeline too could share her story. So shut down by shame, it took her decades for her to find her voice. And now Madeline is the voice for the voiceless, speaking for those who aren't yet able to find their own voice. And in doing so, she encourages them to speak up. She's known as a courage cultivator. Her voice is her power and she believes it is her duty, her purpose, to use it on behalf of people to help shatter the silence. Vulnerability begets vulnerability. Courage is contagious. Brenny Brown. I remember being told by my art teacher as a 13-year-old to have courage of conviction. She encouraged me to trust my intuition, to have the confidence to do what I believed was right. In that moment, in that classroom, that exchange of words changed my life. In your vulnerability lies great power and strength. The power of courage to stand up and be counted. It's true, courage is contagious. Today, I still continue to be courageous in my art and my work. It took courage to launch Focus on Why, to put my voice out there, to reach out to invite guests onto the show and to ask them questions. It takes courage to take that first step. Have the courage to assess your life and understand why you do what you do. Show courage of conviction and take courageous action. 
Inaction breeds doubt and fear. Action breeds confidence and courage. If you want to conquer fear, do not sit home and think about it. Go out and get busy. This is what Dale Carnegie said. What form of courage do you seek? What will you do today that requires courage? From courage to comedy, and more specifically, episode 156, Talking Funny with Jeremy Nicholas. With a background in news and sports presenting and broadcasting, Jeremy Nicholas now specialises in helping professional speakers to add humour to their presentations. If you are a speaker, are you spreading your message using humour? Jeremy said that the thing about humour is that it anchors a story in your memory. The humour and the story is almost like nectar and pollen and bees. You're attracting them into your flower because they're after the pollen, but then inadvertently they're spreading it. Genius. Get others to do your work for you. Jeremy adds impact to communications, presentations and pitches. He helps clients to use humour without losing their status or damaging their credibility or causing offence. He's a regular keynote speaker, MC and after dinner speaker, or he was before we when we were allowed to have dinners before lockdown. And he now runs online programs, which is called Talking Funny for Speakers, as well as mentoring and coaching professional speakers. He says, if you're laughing, you're listening. And humour is a wonderful leveller and a great way of bonding with others. Throughout history, humour has proven its importance in life, particularly in serious situations and in times of adversity. When you're laughing with people, it brings you together and rids any nervous tension or worry. Jeremy talked of his love for English and history, despite following engineering as his degree course. And it was something he said which made me explore the history of laughter and also why do we laugh? He said, laughter is the shortest distance between two people, which is a quote by Victor Borge. The study of humour and laughter is called gelatology from the Greek word gelos, meaning laughter. And I found a blog on the internet written by Roger Abrantes, who said that he thinks that potentially that laughter is not just the shortest distance between two people, but potentially between any two living creatures. How is this so? Well, did you know that animals laugh? Well, I didn't. Well, maybe I did, but apparently chimpanzees and orangutans and gorillas display laughter like when they're wrestling or have being tickled. And even weirdly, rats also do the same. And they, they you can hear it through these high frequency ultrasonic sounds, which again, sound different to their normal sounds, particularly when they're being tickled. And a dog, apparently a dog also laughs and the, you may think they're panting, but they're actually laughing. So why do we laugh, though? Well, apparently it's an involuntary reaction that we have in humans, often in response to external stimuli, either associated with happiness or relief and joy. But also it can be elicited through fear or embarrassment or being nervous. Have you ever laughed at something which is really not funny? In fact, it's so bad you've no idea why you've just done so. It's just involuntary. You just can't help it. And it's hard to suppress a laugh. I remember being told off as a child and having the giggles and finding it so hard to stop laughing. Even when you're being told to stop laughing, you just get that giggling again. And it is contagious. Madeline talked of courage being contagious. Well, so is laughter. It's very hard to suppress it once someone else starts. 
We even describe some people as having an infectious laugh. You know that laugh that people have where you, as soon as they start, you can't stop. So I understand now why throughout history, particularly in the courts, they had jesters, that we've always had this need for humour. And throughout the history, humour has proven its importance, particularly, as I said, in serious situations and in times of adversity. Comedy has been used as a form of entertainment all over the world. The word humour derives from humoral medicine in the ancient Greeks, which taught that the balance of fluids in the human body, known as humours, controlled human health and emotion. And did you know that there have been studies which show that having a sense of humour ranks highly as a crucial characteristic that we seek out in a romantic partner? That, alongside honesty, are the two most important attributes, particularly self-deprecating humour. So when speaking, are you spreading your message using humour? Or, be honest, are you boring your audience? My serious question to you is, are you talking funny? My next episode is 157 See Change Happen with Joanne Lockwood. I met Joanne through the PSA and was invited to speak on her podcast, Inclusion Bites, recently. Highly recommend you tune into her show as she has a fantastic discussion with many people talking about diversity, inclusion and belonging. Jo is a leading authority in this space and is challenging biases. She helps businesses develop a vision and strategy for conscious inclusion with the aim of bringing about positive culture change and employee experience. Jo promotes transgender awareness and supports the businesses and organisations throughout the UK, Europe and elsewhere, developing allies programmes as assisting in policy and LGBTQ plus inclusion strategies. Building equity and reducing marginalisation, Joe's mission is to see change happen. And her mantra is smile, engage and educate. And how she, she passionately believes that people are people. No matter who they are, they deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. I 100% agree with you, Joe. In this episode, Joe talked of imposter syndrome, of the dark six months of her life and how she couldn't get out of bed, couldn't function. The whole am I good enough conversation she would have regularly. She was internalising her own limiting beliefs, her own trans enough conversations. And she recalls laying in bed with this repetitive dream that she was on a children's roundabout in the park going round and round in circles. She couldn't get off it. Every time she tried to stop, the next question would come into her head. She was trying to solve the unsolvable problem. And eventually she woke up one day and said, I am. I am good enough. I am trans enough. I may not be perfect, but I am me. I am capable and I am a valid person. Once she stopped trying to justify it to herself, she just became instantly self-actuated, instantly empowered. She had self-belief. She liked herself, not in a sycophantic way. She was saying, I'm good enough for me. I'm good enough as a person. I don't have to feel guilty about me anymore. It took Jo four months of soul searching and once she became comfortable in who she was, other people can start believing in her too because she didn't think she could ask other people to believe in herself or like herself until she liked herself. Now, this is a really powerful message and I'm a strong believer of affirmations and, and self-love. Who are you? Do you know what it is you truly want in life and why? And do you love you? And as Maya Angelou said, the real difficulty is to overcome how you think about yourself. 
First, you have to understand the connection that you have deep within yourself to then understand the connectedness you have with others. It is your responsibility to focus on you, to love yourself and to believe that you are enough. And Jo talked about the struggling that she had with her imposter syndrome. As she said, first it was, am I trans enough? Then am I woman enough? She talked of the situation where she used the collective noun we for we as women for the first time and nobody said anything. And from that moment, her confidence in her own sense of self grew. It was the acceptance from others around her. She mentioned that she couldn't escape her own shadow and she was always trying to outrun herself, describing it like Mario Kart with ghost mode, always trying to beat herself. And her imposter syndrome still is there now, but it drives her forward. She now believes in herself and she doesn't feel that she is not worthy anymore. She really loves not having a plan, except she does have a plan. The plan is to create sustainable living into a retirement by doing work around inclusion and belonging. And what that entails is that she is being opportunistic with her plan, trying this, trying that, saying yes and figuring it out, learning to fly the plane without a manual, Richard Branson style. She doesn't have a sat nav, a GPS or a map. And she's not afraid of hitting dead ends, trying different directions, And she talked about throwing the boomerangs out and that weeks, months, years later, put your arm up and catch a boomerang. She's no idea which one it was that she'd thrown or where it's come from or where it's been, only that she's put her faith in the world and trusts that they will come back again. Next up is 158, The Sky's the Limit with Emma Davis. And a big shout out to Kelly Forrester for bringing us together. Thank you, Kelly. Lawyer by day, representing nurses, Emma is now an author by night, having written and shared her story following an unexpected breast cancer diagnosis in 2019. Throughout treatment, Emma found journaling cathartic, sending weekly mini blogs to her friends and family. And after calls of, you should write a book, she thought, I bloody well... Take My Hair But Not My Humour, One Mum's Journey Seeing Off Breast Cancer was self-published on the 1st of October 2020. Emma shares her Bridget Jones diary-style journey through breast cancer treatment to hold the hand of others going through similar big life experiences, but also their loved ones who may be looking in and wondering how they can help. The ripple effect continues with Focus on Why, as after posting this episode... On Twitter, a company saw it and reached out wanting Emma to share her story with them as they were compiling short stories of women who'd had breast cancer, again, sharing positivity and hope for others. In this episode with me, she shared so much vulnerability, talking of her postnatal anxiety, mum guilt and loss of confidence. We talked of the what if moment had she not mentally prepared herself prior to even knowing of her breast cancer diagnosis. Would she have had the determination, the resilience, the courage to have gone through the brutal chemo treatment? The what if questions are obviously futile as we know which route she took. However, I find them useful to pose so that people can see and recognize the strength and course of action that we take to reflect on the choices that we make and the decisions that we make. Emma wanted to grow and find herself. She wanted to explore mindfulness and build on her mindset. At the time, she had no idea how much the investment in herself would be of benefit to her in the months to come. Her whole way of being has been transformed. 
Emma now lives in the now. She's present and she talks of how her life is so much more enjoyable. The mindset reset was in fact a life reset. Her journaling and blogging was cathartic, but it was also a tool to help her heal and to help others to heal and to understand. Journaling is used as therapy to encourage patients to authentically express themselves through their writing. And journaling is known to strengthen the immune system and helps to protect the body from disease. Expressive writing assists in regulating emotions and journaling helps to manage and master negative emotions and overwhelm. Authentically expressing herself, Emma shared how she managed to get through five months of chemo, making light of serious situations. Again, this is where humour has its purpose in helping people to connect and communicate when fear and anxiety were rife. All the way back in episode two of Focus on Why with Adrian Brown, he said to stop, pause, breathe, continue. And this was echoed in Emma's telling of what she had to do. Slow down and stop. Strip life back and look up more. Look for the positives. Find at least three positive things to be grateful for and appreciate what was around her finding this incredibly liberating way to live. One day at a time, one thing at a time, writing has now become Emma's love and she's on her third book already. This episode could easily have been called Just Be You, as Emma advocated saying yes more or saying no more, depending on what is right for you and that you need to just be you. This is why for Emma, the sky's the limit. If you don't like it, change it. But if you can't change it, change the way you feel about it. Positives can be found in the darkest of times. If you open your eyes and you look, you can find something positive in most situations. My final reflection today is episode 159, Building Better Business with William Bust, another fellow Professional Speaking Association member and indeed a fellow of the Professional Speaking Association. What struck me from this episode is the number of superlatives throughout William's language being really prominent. He spoke about better and bigger, making bigger differences and being better writers. It reminded me of the Olympics motto of Citius Altius Fortius, faster, higher, stronger, which was adopted by the Olympic Committee in 1894. I'm sure many people of the 19th century would be astounded by what modern athletes are achieving today in terms of faster, higher, stronger, in terms of their running times, their jumping heights, their throwing distances, in fact, their all-round athletic prowess. Much of what would have seemed impossible in their time And it's with this in mind that I asked William what it was that he was striving for. He shared a story about the journey from novice through to practitioner to mastery and knowing that there is no end. And the fact that as a child, he was hungry for this knowledge and continues in that pursuit today. I too am a keen learner, an avid reader and have a huge hunger for knowledge. How about you? So this is why William is building better business. However, first you have to define what better means. By connecting the dots and weaving the strands, you can see your tapestry of life coming together in an authentic way. And in this episode, William shared what building better business means and how collectively minds and resources can come together to make a difference. William also spoke about taking time to think and referenced Nancy Klein's books, Time to Think and More Time to Think. This last week, I took a whole week out purely to think and also read. It's been a a most productive week from my perspective. But how often do you give yourself space to think? 
How do you achieve clarity of vision? Well, it is taking time out to think. And it sounds simple and it is, but do you actually do it? In The Road Less Stupid by Keith J. Cunningham, he shared some key insights in the benefit of thinking time. What is thinking time? How do you do it and what will you achieve? Well, it's really easy. First, prepare a high quality question beforehand. The quality of the question will determine the quality of the answer. Then take yourself to a quiet space where you won't be distracted or interrupted for at least 45 minutes, an hour if possible. No phones, no computers, just yourself with several blank sheets of paper and a pen and spend that time with the one question you've selected. What, what are you aiming to achieve in this session? Well, you're looking to separate the problem from the symptoms and find the root cause. You're looking to differentiate facts from assumptions. You're asking yourself questions that may have gone previously unasked. You're addressing second order consequences and you're creating the plan that will solve the core problem that you identify to move forward. So one question, one hour, one pen, few sheets of paper. That's it. Try it. And on the topic of thinking, there's another book I recommend, which is The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz, PhD. Despite being published back in 1959, this seminal self-help masterpiece was updated in 2016 to make it more relevant to thinking big in the 21st century. It claims to be a go-to guide for a better life, starting with the way you think. And I have to agree with this claim. The Magic of Thinking Big has sold over 6 million copies and it instructs you to set your goals high and think positively to achieve them. The author explains the importance of visualisation and how it adds value to everything. He also highlights the dangers of three failure diseases, procrastination, excusitis and detailitis, and explains how to wipe out these diseases. Each week, I send out newsletters which are designed to encourage you to take action and discover success in your own unique way. They simply act as a catalyst to trigger something that is within you, similar to these reflections and observations. I highly recommend that you subscribe to my newsletter and the link is in the show notes. Believe you can and you're halfway there. Theodore Roosevelt. Give yourself thinking time and the answers to your questions will come. Remember, the quality of the answer is determined by the quality of the question. What questions are you asking? It's time to think, to think big. After three lockdowns, there's been time to reflect and time to think. A year of reflection I'm hoping will lead to many positive ripple effects and instigate a better future for us all. William also said that taking the time to reflect on what we know, what we can do and who we are as individuals changes who we are as individuals. And that's incredibly powerful if it's directed in a positive change, which is what he has done. William also spoke of the importance of listening. Effective listening is understanding not only what has been said, but what is unsaid or partially said. It is recognising and observing body language, inconsistencies between the verbal and nonverbal communication. Cues can be found in the words, in the tone and the volume of the voice, in the gestures, in the facial expressions and in the eye movements. Yes, you listen with your eyes too. Through active listening, you earn the trust of the speaker and you understand and empathise with what they're saying. 
Listening is a way of connecting with others and it is in this connectedness that you find fulfillment and happiness. It is connection, relationships and belonging that people value more than anything else. It's a space that is created where someone feels truly heard. In my profession as a podcast host and life purpose coach, listening is essential. I listen attentively in silence without interrupting, totally focused on what the person in front of me is saying. I pause before responding to ensure that the speaker has finished as those extra two or three seconds of silence make all the difference. This is when the speaker takes the conversation to another level because they have been given the space to explore further. Often they hadn't finished speaking. They were either pausing for effect to show me that what they just said was important. They're collecting their thoughts of what to continue with, or they just need a moment or two to regather their thoughts before continuing. Not making assumptions, I often clarify with questions or parrot back what's just been said to check. The art of listening is the key to communication and not just with others, but with yourself. Joe Lockwood spoke of the importance of believing in herself and not listening to the inner critic. As Jeremy Nicholas said in his episode, if they're laughing, they're listening. It's all about making people lean in to listen more rather than just sit back and think, how much longer is this person going on for? However, in episode 147 with Dan Milne and Jane Nash, the importance of being able to listen to yourself also arose. How much time do you spend listening to you? When you listen to yourself, you listen to what your life has been telling you. If you're looking to make a difference in whatever form that may take, either as a leader, a parent, a family member, a partner, or as a friend, then listening is the way to achieve this. The focus is so often on speaking that time is not truly spent listening to what or who really matters in your life. If time is your most precious resource, then listening to someone is the most valuable gift that you can give. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrowlandson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.